Hello, uh, this is Jackson here. I just got done putting together the episode, and I wanted to make this brief intro to give a sort of uh, context to where we've been. So, as you know, we've been gone for almost two months. Um, that is totally on us. We just completely lost track. We didn't, weren't manning our schedules well. But we are back. We have a whole plan uh, written out uh, for the future. We're going to get on top of everything. And so today, uh, November 1st, is our first episode back. Uh, as you saw by the title, it is an uh, uncovered episode. And we were joined by a very special guest. And it was, uh, it, it, it was a long episode. There's a lot of details. It's a very famous um, unsolved case. But we wanted to, uh, as always, give as many details as possible so that the listeners uh, get as much knowledge as we got and so that they have uh, a understanding much like we had with uh, our guests as well. And so, uh, yeah, this is the first episode back. I'm just going to keep this brief. Uh, we're going to be back to weekly videos. We're going to be shooting for like tons of, or not videos, tons of podcasts a month. Um, and yeah, uh, thank you for sticking with us for listening. Uh, we hope that you enjoy what we have planned for the future. And without further ado, I give you episode 48 of Night Swims. Here we go. All right. All right. After a long, much-awaited uh, return, <laughs> or a much-anticipated return. Yeah. Night Swims is back. Everybody's been anticipating it. Everyone. Everybody's ready. Can, our, our our numbers have never been better. <laughs> Skyrocketing numbers. We hit a million plays. Yeah. The two months dude, without, without recording in a million plays. And you can't hit, look that up anywhere because it's not known to dude, the public. Yeah, but. record high um, podcast views in Mobile, Alabama, and record low temperatures for now in Mobile, Alabama. These aren't record lows. It's 55 for, degrees. For now. It's been 100 degrees for the past three weeks. All right, so. that's true. Well, Douglas, who, who is our who is our, our guest today on the uh, We are joined show? by Relish the Journeys, Miles Biggs. Well, is it is it Relish the Journeys, or is it is that like his nickname? I was trying to make it possessive. Oh, well. <laughs> what is well, your so podcast yes. called, and like, what is it about? Yeah, sure. So, as you said, it's called Relish the Journey. Mm-hmm. And it's about a lot of things. Um, I purposely picked a vague title so that I could have fun with it and change topics up. So um, it was born out of the idea of a time in my life where I wasn't relishing my own journey. I was kind of caught up in the weeds and the hectic stress of life. And um, really then just made it a point then to go out and find regular people like me. And I like to say that I try to find the extraordinary stories of ordinary people. So while I do interview some people that are doing some really cool things, it's not like I'm interviewing the celebrities of the day or all those other celebrity podcasts that you know tend to get a lot of the spotlight. I'm trying to find those kind of celebrity moments that the average Joe has mm-hmm. and then bring them forward. So you know, past couple episodes were my grandparents, as an example, which was kind of neat. But then I've talked to um, you know people that have given up children for adoption. You know, people going through a journey of divorce or addiction, um, a bunch of entrepreneurs and people in the business realm. So it's really a little bit of everything. Every week it, it changes up. So it keeps it interesting for me and then hopefully keeps it interesting for the listeners as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, that 
That was an Oscar-worthy monologue. <laughs> that that, was, oh, thank you. that <laughs> was very well put together, and that's a, a huge. So I guess today you're you're uh, you're doing a huge shift in a uh, tone. He's talking about essentially murder. Yeah. And at the same yeah, time, yeah, I haven't had a I haven't had a murderer on yet, <laughs> so have not. I think I honestly think this topic. that should be one of our goals is to, to have you a murderer. Exactly. That would be that's sort of our shtick. Oh man. Or, or to interview a have guest. You seen, uh, have you seen that show Mind Hunter on uh, Netflix? I have not. I I know what it's about, and I've been wanting to watch it. But me and we're uh, we're st- we watch me and Douglas watch about four shows like religiously right now. So yeah. that's on a long <laughs> list of shows that we have uh, planned sure. to watch. But yeah, I've heard but I've that, heard a lot that, about that it. That just popped in my head because they go into prisons and interview people on death row about you know, why they killed a bunch of people and how they did it. And that'd be pretty wild if you could get in to do something like that for a podcast. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm sure, like, I guess we have an audience who want to hear that. So, I mean, I guess we probably could try that. That would be That would be cool. cool. It'd be, it'd be scary, you, honestly. an alien. <laughs> that'd be, I think that... That would, that would... Once we do that, we just have to end the podcast completely. Because yeah. no one has done that before. And we couldn't top that. We... Unless we found another alien. <laughs> that, unless we found, like, the alien's boss or yeah. something like that. So have you – well, I guess first off we'll get to a little more on you. So you were also on a podcast called the Back Pocket Podcast, which we've been in contact with them. Since we started, I'll say much. roughly since we started. Yeah. So almost three, two years ago mm-hmm. when we started? Yeah. Oh, God. But, yeah, and so you were on that, and have, were they on your podcast? Yeah, I had them on mine first. And then I, I've ended up interviewing like over half a dozen different people from Minnesota um, just through networking. And one introduced me to introduces me to another one, you know, so um, I just decided to fly out there and meet everybody. And I went out for uh, it's called Lincoln Drink is the name of the event. It's put on by a couple guys I interviewed as well. Brandon Polizuk of the Social Butterfly and Nick McLaughlin from the Stationary Astronaut. And I went out there for the event and then hooked up with the Back Pocket guys to get in on the sandbox action that they've <laughs> got going on. And then uh, also with Tyler, the How They're Here podcast out there. And so I did two interviews in, in the Minneapolis, as I've learned it's called, Minneapolis. Oh, that's, I like that. It's, it's not the I Big like Apple. <laughs> so was that, how, have it, so how was that like in a sense of going to another podcast? Uh, and like interviewing with them oh, it was a lot of fun especially because like you said similar to you guys I've been going back and forth with them on Instagram messages and whatnot for a couple of years and then you know you see all the stuff that they put out because they're content generating machines mm-hmm. and be there for it it was fun so, so you you went you went there in person yeah yeah I went to their house mm-hmm. and, and did it live oh okay all right well how, how are they as people like I, I hear that they're just like a lot of fun honestly yeah, I mean they're they're exactly how they are in all of their you know in all the episodes and in their content. They're very real, genuine guys. It's not like they hit record and put an act on, you know. Because mm-hmm. I did the podcast with them, and then they were at that Lincoln Drink event too. So we were just hanging out, you know, like regular people without a record button pressed. Mm-hmm. And yeah, really good guys, solid solid people to know. Yeah. Well. Uh... We're not saying that we're going to give you a better experience, <laughs> but we hope to to give you a different. It's experience definitely a in different podcasting one. because 
the topic. Yeah. It's all about the topic, you, I guess. You know, it's a really yeah, original I'm on, idea. You I'm know, on not, pins and needles to, <laughs> I don't even know what we're talking about, so. There, me, me neither, so. Not, we're in know, the same boat. You know, there's, you don't really see any podcasts out there that are well known for covering murderers or anything, so yeah. we're hoping that we can be the big one. <laughs> we're the first there. of its kind. We're the first completely original idea that we thought of. <laughs> so we're hoping that uh, this experience is unique, uh, much like our podcast. Yeah. Night swims. God, that was some egotistical shit right there. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, if you don't promote you, no one's going to promote you, man. So <laughs> go for it. Yeah. Well, we got to, you know, if you want to put in a good word to the back pocket about us, get a get some collaboration going. Well, I'm not going to tell you not to, I mean, but I'm also not going to tell you to do it. So, you know, <laughs> totally on your call. We will take free tickets to Minneapolis. We, will, like, we would also love that. <laughs> or, you know, Pennsylvania. I hear the chocolate there is yeah. great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I guess yeah. we didn't really explain that. So you're from Pennsylvania? Yes, sir. And yep, so, I'm in middle of Pennsylvania, smack dab in the middle. So like smack dab Amish country or more like city? Oh, man, straight up Amish country. I got a barn right next to my house, and I pack up to a cornfield, and I dodge horse and buggies on my way to work every morning. So yeah. it is speaking, Amish country. Speaking of cornfields... Have you had any alien interaction? Because I hear that those are just alien hotspots. You know, I have heard that, and uh, I haven't. And it's a soybean field this year. They like to rotate the crops, so maybe the aliens will come back next year when uh, the stalks are rising again. So I guess something we all ask our, our listeners and our, uh, our guests, are you more on the believer or skeptic side when it comes to uh, mysteries, conspiracies, and strange phenomena. Yeah, well, I guess that would just depend on the mystery or conspiracy, mm-hmm. right? Because I think some are more left field than others. But exactly, you know, on some of the uh, on some of the typical ones like aliens or ghosts or any of that kind of stuff, I believe in that kind of stuff for sure. Like the uh, whatever you want to call it, like the spiritual realm or other worlds. Like, there's absolutely no way oh. that Earth Earth is the only place that like organisms live like us like that that's just the ultimate yeah. arrogance i think there's got to be other shit out there exactly that we don't know about. bravo you are just speaking my language that's, right now that's the kind of that's the kind of stuff we're trying to relay that with the, the world mindset that i want everyone to have about aliens and exactly I, I, I could not be happier right i mean now. i don't want to call people stupid but you're stupid if you don't think that well and think about this right like we're probably we're we are aliens to like other animals, yeah, like ants and stuff. Yeah. And so, like, you ever think about that? Like, when you crack your egg in the morning for breakfast, like, if aliens came and colonized Earth, and what if they were like a hundred feet tall? Because we have no idea. We mm-hmm. can be like their chickens, yeah. and they're just we're running around with our heads chopped off. Like, we're dealing with chickens, you know? There's just uh, anything's possible. Yeah. So I never they're thought probably of that listening to your chicken. podcast, you know? Yeah. I'm never, tuning in. I've never thought about being the chicken to an alien. <laughs> I don't like just, that. Just, just, I don't so, want that to happen. I've never now. thought about being any sort of livestock. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever had anything happen to you uh, involving it's like, ghosts? It's like, yeah. Yeah, so ghosts. Um, yeah, I've had, like, I, can't, I mean, I can't prove it was a ghost, but I think it was some sort of spirit or apparition or whatever on a couple occasions. So um one was when i was in gettysburg pennsylvania with the boy scouts and we were um at night doing a tour of like a battlefield and we were camping and stuff and 
you know, at one point off in the distance, we saw somebody and we just kind of assumed as a reenactor because they had been walking around all day in like the period dress and stuff, mm-hmm. right? In the yeah. middle of the field. And then you turn around and try to get like, hey, look, I think somebody's out there. By the time I turned around again, they were gone. And it was just a wide open field. So it's not like they walked into a building. It was just all of a sudden they weren't there. Yeah. So that was kind of freaky. Um, and then one time I was at this event um, in this like abandoned building. And it was really late at night. And there were no... This is going to sound really creepy now because I'm going to say there's no girls there. So I guess I should give some more context why I'm in this <laughs> abandoned building in the middle of the night with all dudes. Yeah, save save <laughs> um, some face. <laughs> yeah, but so I, was, I was in a fraternity in college, and so we had our initiation uh, ritual and off campus and um, in just like a building where no one would just barge in and be like, what the hell are you guys doing, right? So uh-huh. we're in this old factory that one of our guys' families had access to, and it was all guys. And we were packing up, and it's like 2 in the morning, and all of a sudden I heard, like, a woman screaming. Huh. Like, but there are no women there. And it was 2 in the morning, and it was just a random thing. And somebody else was with me, and they heard it too. And, you know, this building was built in the, like, late 1800s, so who knows what happened yeah. in it. You know, what's trapped in the walls. Exactly. So, little odd things like that where it's like, for sure there's got to be stuff like that happening. Yeah. Well, uh, in my expert opinion, uh, that was definitely ghosts. <laughs> I mean, that's definitely that's definitely creepy. But yeah, the get because the, the Gettysburg thing Gettysburg. makes or the get sorry the Gettysburg thing makes a lot of sense because that's like a I mean, that's pretty def- haunted that, that's place. definitely a it's, hot it's known spot. to be yeah. pretty haunted. So, so yeah, so I guess it's safe to say I think you're well, only our second guest to have. No, I guess everyone. That's been on our podcast has had something happen to them, so I guess mm-hmm. that's that's good to keep the trend. You that's know? what we try to pry out of everybody. Well, that's good because one of one of our guests, um, one of our good friends, like she's had a lot, and she really does not like to talk about it. But she really opened up on our podcast, so I guess that's one of our goals is to have people open yeah. up about these experiences. Well, so, I think like any instance of deja vu. Yeah, you know, it's not a ghost thing, but it feels like it's happened before. It's like, well, it probably has. Like, you talk alternate timelines or um, stuff like that or, you know, different planes of consciousness and you can get into the quantum field and all sorts of stuff that's out there. But, like, there's a reason why it feels like it happened before, I think. Yeah. So. Exactly. I mean. There's a lot of stuff you get into, man. It's. (laughs) We we definitely have a wide range that we have yet to touch. But, um, yeah, we have a lot of things to cover in the future. So, last question uh, before we get into the. The topic that I'm excited about. Uh, so, is there any, I guess, conspiracy theories or strange phenomena that sort of stand out to you that have always kind of piqued your interest? Um, I mean, one of the ones that's the most like divisive as far as conspiracy theories, and it pisses people off when people talk about it, which because I think it's still kind of, you know, still recent in the. Uh, like societal consciousness right is the conspiracy theories about 9-11 and that Mm -hmm. like the planes didn't actually bring the towers down and you know you can watch a whole bunch of stuff on youtube i've gone down that rabbit hole where people are isolating frames and saying some of it wasn't even a plane they hit the building or why did it fall directly down that's what happens when you demolish a building Mm -hmm. you know not when a plane flies into it like all that kind of stuff is just fascinates me because if that was true that's like the most effed up thing 
you know yeah. with how many people that that passed away in that tragedy and if it were to ever come out that it was sponsored by the government or any other conspiracy that's out there that would be pretty wild it, it would be it'd definitely be really crazy so uh, I guess that's one that's always captivated me because it's like I remember 9-11 I was there for it a lot of the other stuff that is still talked about is from you know you can talk about the Loch Ness Monster or Area 51 and all that's just like I don't have a personal connection to those things you know but most people remember where they were on 9-11 you know mm-hmm. so that's do, one do you remember Douglas you were we were I was I was we were like two years old yeah. at my grandparents house <laughs> two and three so that'll so. yeah I was only in I was only in sixth grade when it uh-huh. happened so it wasn't like that much older than you but thanks for making me feel old now <laughs> sorry about that yeah <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna make you feel old again when I go over the topic because it was a worldwide uh, headline, and if I guess so, if everybody you, will know this. He, and then I'm trying to make him seem like he's old. <laughs> I was born. I was born in 1990, so I'm 29. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So, oh, all right. So, uh, well, today you're not old. No, you're not old. <laughs> so today's uh, topic is the unsolved. Uh, well, I guess more so just the disappearance of someone uh, from Alabama. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, her name is Natalie Holloway. Natalie Holloway. So this is worldwide? Yes, like internationally <laughs> like famous. Hmm. Well, I, mean, I haven't heard this. You have? I've never heard of this either. Oh, okay. So he's not that old. We're both in the dark. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> so, uh, so essentially, just to give a brief uh, summarization before I get into this, uh, Natalie Holloway, uh, she went, she was a... Well, she had just graduated high school from Mountain Brook, Alabama. Birmingham. So Mount, yeah, so Mountain mm-hmm. Brook High School. And so she graduated on uh, May 25th of 2005, and uh, she disappeared on May 30th of 2005. And they, the, uh, the reason she disappeared is because she went on a graduation trip to Aruba in the Caribbean. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, Okay. Now it's coming back to me. I do remember hearing about this. Yeah. yeah, yeah. In I never knew she was from Alabama, but I do remember this about her disappearing in Aruba. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, so I guess I'll just... Before, before you start, did um, recent events like lead you to choose like a disappearance? Because I know there's, there's a girl oh, that, no. from so, Auburn, I think, yeah, that so, just went missing. But um, Yeah. So, I don't know if we should explain that. Well, I guess... Yeah. So... Well, no, so I, I just found this topic just by looking up, like, famous, like, unsolved cases, whether it be murders or disappearances, but I guess that is a, a weird coincidence. Yeah. And so I'm guessing, Miles... I don't know the details. You don't have any idea what we would be talking about right now? No, I, I didn't hear about a, a woman disappearing from all Well, so, yeah, so essentially, like, a week ago... So let me look up her stepdad's name. Because oh yeah, he is a he is a really famous MMA yeah, like fighter. super famous yeah. UFC fighter. So this girl named uh, I'll I'll say her name because it's pretty well known. Her name is Anaya Blanchard, and uh, I I'm like ninety percent sure I've met her on several occasions. Really, which is what made it weird. Like as soon as I saw that picture, but she so she is a girl that was in Auburn, and her dad or her stepdad is a UFC fighter named. Let me see if I can find his name real quick. Uh. No, they're, they're just calling him a UFC fighter. But anyways, he she uh, di- she went to community college outside of Auburn, Alabama, and I want to say a week ago, she just completely disappeared. 
and like there's been like new details emerged and everything like that and I, I think they today they announced that they suspect foul play and she's been uh, she's been missing for roughly a week now I'm pretty sure uh, yeah they they she's been missing for about a week uh, Dana White shipped in twenty five thousand dollars for a reward for anyone to uh, wow see it oh Walt Harris is the UFC fighter Walt Harris so, uh, I, I know we don't really watch UFC yeah. but Miles of me yeah. watch UFC oh, yes man. she's um, been missing uh, no. for eight days now. She was last seen on surveillance footage. They found her car in an apartment complex. And I read somewhere, I think it was her credit card. No, not her credit card. There something was, was making transactions some, or something. Yes, yeah, her credit card was used, but it wasn't any suspicious. But there was something that stuck out to the like investigators because uh, the last... Oh, I think it was like her phone pinged 40 miles oh, away yeah, from where right. she was last seen. And so they just came out today that um, there's been foul plays expected and everything like that. There was an update four hours ago, but I don't want to... Um, I don't want to get into all that. But, yeah, there's if you look up an eye of Blanchard, anyone that's listening, uh, there's places where you can call. There's places where you can, like, uh, I'm pretty sure they set up a GoFundMe yeah. or uh, something like that just so they can get everything situated. If you look up Walt Harris, uh, he's made tons of posts on social media. His Instagram handle is Big Ticket, if that helps, if anyone's listening. Uh, but, yeah, so that, I guess... I guess we're putting out a PSA right now. Well, yeah, we for, should. For any information. Yeah, we're, yeah. we're not. Yeah, so on to the subject of Natty Holloway. So uh, I'm just going to go over some background information. Okay. So uh, Holloway was the first of two children born to Dave and Elizabeth Holloway in Clinton, Mississippi. Uh, the parents divorced in 1993, and she and her younger brother Matthew were raised by their mother in the 2000s. Beth married George Jug Twitty, a prominent Alabama businessman, and then they moved to Mountain Brook. She graduated with honors, like I said, in 2005 from Mountain Brook, which is in Birmingham, mm -hmm. so not too far away from us. She was a member of the National Honor Society and the School Dance Squad and participated in all these other events. Uh, she was, she like had plans to attend Alabama on a full scholarship to be pre-med, and uh, yeah. So on Thursday, uh, May 26, 2005, Holloway and 124 other graduates of Mountain Brook, uh, they, arri they arrived that day in Aruba for a five-day unofficial graduation trip. So it wasn't school-sanctioned. It was more of just like a bunch of people in the grade got it all playing together. Yeah. And so the teenagers were accompanied by seven chaperones, which uh, that's, if I remember correctly, that's sort of a critique of when she was disappeared because there was only seven Adults watching 125 freshly graduated kids in a country where they can drink at 18. So that was that was something that. It's a lot for them to handle. From what I remember reading, that was something that the. Whoa, that was something that the uh, media scrutinized, or specifically her parents. I'm pretty sure scrutinized their. Yeah. So yeah, there's a lot of backlash. And that's really yeah. That's really not a lot of this case chaperones and everything like that. for all yeah. these kids, really. And so, according to uh, teacher and chaperone Bob Plummer, the chaperones met with the students each day to make sure everything was fine. Uh, Jody Behrman, who organized the trip, stated that the chaperones were not supposed to keep up with their every move. Uh, Police Commissioner George Domping Dompig who headed the investigation from mid-2005 to 06, stated that the Mountain Brook students engaged in wild partying, a lot of drinking, lots of room switching every night. We know that we know the Holiday Inn told them they weren't welcome next year. And Natalie, we know, she drank all day every day. And they have statements saying she started every morning with cocktails. And so much drinking that uh, she didn't show up for breakfast two mornings. 
And two of her classmates, Liz Kane and Claire Fearman, agreed that the drinking was excessive. So already, you know, you have a bad it's, yeah, it bad like situation it. waiting to happen yeah. with the, the planning and execution of this. Yeah. And so Holloway was last seen by her classmates around 1.30 a.m. on Monday, May 30th, as she was leaving the or- Orangestad Bar and nightclub Carlos and Charlie's. Uh, she left in a car with 17-year-old Horan Vandersloot, a Dutch honor student who is living in Aruba and attending the International School of Aruba, and his two Surinamese friends and brothers, 21-year-old Deepak Kalpo, who was the owner of the car, and 18-year-old Satish Kalpo. Uh, Holloway was scheduled to fly home later that day, but she didn't appear. Uh, but she didn't appear for her return flight. Her packed luggage and passport were all found in her room, and Aruban authorities initiated searches for Holloway throughout the island and surrounding waters, but did not find her. So that was... They didn't find all this out until, like, this was, like, the end of the trip. What was? Like, when she went missing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she disappeared. They they got there on the 26th, and she disappeared the 30th, and they okay. were planned to leave on the 31st. Okay. Yeah, so immediately following uh, Holloway's missed flight, her mother and stepfather immediately flew to Aruba with a bunch of, uh, like, their family friends. And within four hours of landing, uh, the the Twitties, which are uh, who they are, that, that might be confusing. The Twitties. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, they presented the Arubian, Aruban police with the name and address of Vandersloot, who was the person with whom Holloway left the nightclub. Uh, Beth stated that Vandersloot's full name was given to her by the night manager at the Holiday Inn, who supposedly recognized him on videotape. Uh, the Twitties and their friends went to the Vandersloot home with two Aruban policemen to look for Holloway. Vandersloot initially denied knowing Holloway's name, but he then told the following story, which was corroborated by Deepak Kalpo, who was present in the house. So according to him, his initial story, uh, he said that uh, they drove Holloway to the California lighthouse area of Arashi Beach because she wanted to see sharks. Uh, they dropped her off at the hotel at around 2 a.m. And according to Vandersloot, she fell down as she exited the car but refused his help. He stated that as he and Kalpo were driving away, Holloway was approached by a dark man in a black shirt similar to those worn by security guards. Hmm. Yeah. She's yeah. first sure got eaten by a shark. Like... Done. Case closed. You think? That, that. She got she got drunk, she fell in, whatever, like if they never found a body, they found all of her stuff, like I'm I'm just I'm the fact that you said sharks, I'm all in on the shark that, series. That's, that's a conspiracy on the table. That, that that's, might be that's, no, the that, earliest uh, <laughs> earliest investigation completed. <laughs> but no the, I, I thought the same thing and um As I recall, I think our first episode with this whole new branding thing, we talked about the Bermuda Triangle, like all these planes that disappear, and how the currents will take like plane parts and move them and just carry them up into the Arctic or down uh, to the South Pole. So I mean, I guess currents could have taken in any like sort of remains that of her body elsewhere. So I mean, look at that little callback. Yeah, look at you. All the way to episode one. Oh my goodness. But I mean, I, I. Sharks for now. Sharks. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, I, all right. Okay. <laughs> so, so the search, <laughs> so the search and rescue efforts for Holloway began almost immediately. Uh, there were hundreds of volunteers from Aruba and the United States. During the first days of the search, the Aruban government gave thousands of silver servants uh, the day off to participate in the rescue effort. Fifty Dutch Marines conducted an extensive search of the shoreline. 
Uh, Ruben Banks raised $20,000 and provided other support to aid volunteer teams. Uh, Beth Tweedy, her, her mom, was provided with housing, initially at the Holiday Inn, where she coincidentally stayed in the same room her daughter had occupied. That's just... That is How not something that? you do as a yeah. hotel management. Yeah, I don't know. And yeah. then she ascent, and then uh, she got her way and stayed at the presidential suite of a nearby Wyndham hotel. So, yeah. It's an so, <laughs> so reports indicated that Holloway did not appear on any nighttime surveillance camera footage of the hotel lobby. So already Vandersloot's story is a little eh. However, Twitty has made varying statements as to whether the cameras were operational that night. According to an April 19th interview uh, according to a statement uh, from April of 2016 the video cameras at the Holiday Inn were not functioning the night Holloway vanished how convenient yeah what well. <laughs> uh, her mom is oh, made oh man also how convenient that the guy that's the manager named these other dudes uh-huh. and his cameras weren't working so maybe it was him at yeah. the front desk alright I'm leaning away from sharks wait the manager what? Yeah, because he's the one that said he he noticed the the Dutch dude on the tape, right? But then the cameras weren't working, so how could we trust anything he says about the oh, tapes? No, 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 no. Uh, Jorhan Vandersloot was a student, and then he said that he noticed her talking to a security guard when he dropped. But it wasn't off. at the hotel. It was at the hotel. It was at the hotel. Yeah. But you said, but you said the mom got the address of that guy because the manager at the hotel said he recognized him on a tape, right? Oh, that's what I heard. Oh yeah. Okay, yeah, that completely. And now the tapes, and now the tapes weren't working, and so that guy was throwing the scent off himself. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, he's involved. Yeah, so I thought you were implying that uh, Vandersloot was the manager somehow. No, yeah, no. That's a, it was a little decoy for the manager. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, yeah. So yeah, I never really thought of it like that. So. <laughs> Uh, oh, okay, so her mom has made other statements indicating that they were working and has stated so in her book, uh, The Cameras. Police Commissioner John van der Straten. I hate reading names on this podcast. Why are there so many, like, names with Van and all that? We need to get, like, like just Because Aruba's, names. like, Aruba, like, they're Dutch, right? So you got all are that they? European stuff going on. Okay. Possibly, yeah. I guess... Colonization. Yeah, so <laughs> Vander Sat, Sat, that guy, uh, the initial head of the investigation until his 2005 retirement, said Wait, that what, Hall- what, What's his title? Uh, the- police commissioner. Okay. I'm uh, pretty sure police commissioner in Aruba. Okay. Uh, he says that, or he said that Holloway did not have to go through the lobby to return to her room. So I'm guessing she has like a first floor room. Like, remember how you, like on some hotels, you can walk on the sides yeah. and enter your key? So that could be a, a reason. And from the early days of the investigation, American law enforcement participated in wide-ranging involvement in the case. U.S. Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice, go Notre Dame, uh, stated to reporters that the U.S. was in constant contact with the Rubin authorities. Another State Department official indicated that substantial resources are being applied to this as the Aruba officials continue to ask for more. (laughs) So, on June 5th, that's uh, six days now after her disappearance. Yeah. So a Reuben police detained Nick John and Abraham Jones, former security guards from the nearby Allegra Hotel, on suspicion of murder and kidnapping. So the Allegra Hotel was closed at the time that this was all going on due to renovations. And authorities have never officially disclosed the reason for their arrest, but according to news accounts, statements made by Vandersloot and the Kalpo brothers may have been a factor in their arrest. Uh, 
Reports also indicated that the two former guards were known for cruising hotels to pick up women, and at least one time, at least one of them had a prior incident with law enforcement. Uh, but they were released on June 13th with no charges. Hmm. So on June 9th, uh, Vandersloot and the Calpo brothers were arrested on suspicion of kidnapping and murder. A Reuben law allows for investigation investigators to make an arrest based on serious suspicion, which is kind of corrupt. Just a little bit. Just, just a tad. <laughs> you know. uh, in order to continue holding the suspect in custody and increasing evidential burden must be met at periodic reviews. And according to Dom Pig, who is the uh, throwback uh, police commissioner who also headed the investigation. So there's two commissioners that headed the investigation? That just doesn't seem... His last name was, his last name was Pig? Dom Pig and then Vander Stratton. The ini- Man, that's a to be a police officer, last name Pig is just unfortunate. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. So, so Vander Stratton was the initial head investigator, and then Dom Pig took over from when he retired until he left in 2006. So that's who. In case I bring up those names again. This, yeah, this that's a always, quite the quite the timeline. So they always. Why would that police commissioner retire in the middle of such a high-profile case? And it. It's it, these are just days apart too, right? Yeah, I wonder huh. if it says anything about why he retired. Aruba just seems very sketched to me now, honestly. Oh, of course it does. <laughs> it always seems it's any. You got like you what you got her disappearing in Aruba. You got those two. I don't think you know this, but there was two backpackers who went or two 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 roommates who went backpacking in. Oh geez, maybe Jamaica or somewhere in the Caribbean, and they never were found again. And the only evidence they have is a bunch of pictures that were taken on the camera the night they disappeared, and the pictures are creepy. Really? Yeah, I'm gonna have to look that one up because that'll be a good one to do in the future. Yeah, that sounds wild. And yeah, then you got all the stuff that was happening in the Dominican Republic when yeah. people get poisoned. Yeah, there's, yeah. There's so many like the Caribbean. So just, basically, if you want to go to the beach, just go to Alabama. Exactly. Right, like, Dolphin Island, yeah. Gulf Shores. The Caribbean can. <laughs> we got it all. No, no Caribbean. <laughs> no bueno. Uh, okay, so according to Dom Pig, the focus of the investigation centered on these three suspects from the get-go. Uh, he stated that close observation of the three men began three days after Holloway was reported missing, and the investigation included surveillance, wiretaps, and even monitoring of their email. He indicated that pressure from Holloway's family caused the police to prematurely stop their surveillance and detain the three suspects. So, already you got different commissioners, different, like, groups of, like, different governments trying to intervene, and then, like, her parents putting pressure on the police from I mean, the, the, the doing com- their job because they're hysterical. First off, it was the hotel manager who was acting a little sketch there, but now the commissioners and all that... Yeah. So you really don't know who, because like the parents are trying to find. I, I get that they're trying to pressure and all that, mm-hmm. but like, I mean, I guess people are just sort of trying to clear their tracks or something. Something's just not right here. Maybe we will. Uh, maybe we'll. Uh, maybe we will solve it ourselves. <laughs> I don't know what to do if we actually do. <laughs> yeah, I'm still. I'm still half believing in sharks. That, that. And I'm thinking the hotel guy is maybe like abducting women for human sex trafficking. That's that. And yeah. the police commissioner was in on it and getting people out of the country, and then he retired because there's too much heat coming on to him. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stuff going on here. There is. I'm never opposed to the idea of aliens. I think we're gonna stay away from aliens. Never. I mean, it's you don't know. I guess we don't. You don't but. Know. 
I don't know. There's too many factors for aliens. So, <laughs> so as the investigation continued, uh, a spokesman for the Aruban Minister of Justice, David Cruz, uh, falsely indicated on June 11th that Holloway's body uh, had been found. Uh, he later retracted this statement, saying that he was a victim of misinformation campaign. To the audio listeners, I did air quotes. So now it's the Russians and fake news again. <laughs> Gosh. Too much going on, we're not even halfway through it. First it was Dutch. Dutch people, now it's Russians. <laughs> Soon it'll be aliens. Yeah. Just watch. <laughs> uh, so that, that same day, uh, later in the evening, uh, Dom Pig alleged to the Associated Press that one of the detained young men admitted something bad happened to Holloway after the suspects took her to the beach and that the suspect was leading police to the scene. Sharks. Sharks. The next morning, prosecution spokeswoman Vivian Vander Beesen oh God. refused to confirm or deny the allegation, simply stating that the investigation was at a very crucial, very important moment. So on June 17th, a sixth person later identified as disc jockey Steve Gregory... Steve Gregory Crows was also arrested. Uh, Vander Straten told the media that Crows was detained based on information from one of the other three detainees. On June 22nd, Aruban police detained Vandersloot's father, Paulus Vandersloot, for questioning. He was arrested that same day, and both Paulus and Crows were ordered to be released June 26th. So during this period, uh, the suspects who had been detained changed their stories. Typical. All three indicated that Vandersloot and Holloway were dropped off at the Marriott Hotel beach near the fishermen's huts. Vandersloot stated that he did not harm Holloway but left her on the beach. So already he already changed his story. Uh, according to Satish Kalpo's attorney, Vandersloot called Deepak Kalpo to tell, to tell him that he was walking home and sent him a text message 40 minutes later. At some time during the interrogation, Vandersloot detailed a third account that he was dropped off at home and Holloway was driven off by the Calpo brothers. Uh, Dom Ping discounted the story, saying, quote, This latest story came when Vandersloot saw the other guys, the Calpos, were kind of finger-pointing at him and he wanted to screw them also by saying he was dropped off. But that story doesn't check out at all. He just wanted to screw Deepak. They had great arguments about this in front of the judge. Because their stories didn't match, this girl, she was from Alabama. She's not st going to stay in the car with two black kids. We believe the second story that they were dropped off by the Marriott. Following hearings before a judge, the Calpo brothers were released on Monday, July 4th, but Vandersloot was detained for an additional 60 days. On, Ju on July 4th, so oh, the same. So on the day we were released, the Royal Netherlands Air Force deployed uh, F-16 aircrafts equipped with infrared sensors to aid in the search, but the results came up empty. So fast forward to March in 2006, it was reported that satellite photos were being uh, were being compared with photographs taken more recently, presumably from the F-16s, in an attempt to find unexpected shifts of ground that might uh, be Natalie's grave. Hmm. And after a local gardener came forward with information, a small pond near the Aruba Racket Club, close to the Marriott Hotel Beach, was partly drained between July 20th and 30th of 2005. According to Jug Twitty, uh, which is her stepdad, the gardener claimed to have seen Vandersloot attempting to hide his face as he drove into the racket club with the Calpro brothers on the very early morning of May 30th between 2.30 and 3. And Nancy Grace described the gardener as the man whose testimony cracks the case wide open. But Nancy Grace jumps to anything that is 
media attention she, yeah, she's grabbing more of the or attention grabbing so dramatic really, kind of we can't really listen to her <laughs> so another person uh quote unquote the jogger claimed to have seen men burying a blonde-haired woman in a landfill during the afternoon of may 30th the police had searched the landfill in the days following holloway's disappearance and after the jogger's statements the landfill was searched three more times the fbi used cadaver dogs to assist in the recovery operation and the searches were fruitless so if you're Alright, so you're you're the police, the Aruban police, and you're, what is it, uh, May, you're two, you're like a month out after she's disappeared, and then you have this jogger come to you and say, oh, a month ago I saw men burying this woman, but I held on to it for a month. Why, why, why do you think that they went after that lead? Because there's two things that come to mind when that happens. The jogger is just trying to throw the people off because he's a loser who likes to see that. Or he's just trying to get media attention and he ended up not getting anything. He got a mention on a giant article about her. Yeah, because like, how close do you have to jog by a landfill to make out the fact that it's two men and a blonde woman being buried? I mean, on a Rubian land, uh, landfills look like the ones I've seen here. It's not like can get real close to them on yeah. a brisk morning jog to see and also like why details would, why would police waste their time on a month old lead on a month old lead that someone just happened to remember yeah uh, yeah at that point probably optics so it looks like they had leads and they're making progress because they're probably getting a lot of heat for turning up yeah that, that's probably true it's like, just hey, like, just to say hey we've got this lead probably to, well at the same time that's also not what you want like a law enforcement official to do. Like if I'm if I'm oh Mike. If you're if I'm Jug Twitty Jug or George her stepdad and uh, like there aren't a lot of leads with my missing stepdaughter and then suddenly like this jogger just happens to remember this thing that he saw a month ago, I wouldn't I wouldn't want the police to waste their time doing that. But I guess in also the same sense of playing devil's advocate, he's him and his wife are probably hysterical about it and just want anything that they can. I mean, yeah, that's like, I mean, uh, like it, any answers. I mean, you gotta like, put your put yourself in the parents' shoes. Like, it's been a month and there's nothing. So yeah, like, I guess, I guess, if you're hysterical about that, most like when it comes to disappearance of like kids, especially, I think it's just like parents I, literally grasp onto any sense of like details that they can have about where or any like it's, updates. Yeah, it's probably outcomes. it's probably like I want a closure sort of thing like i want closure and all that yeah because i mean it's been a month and you're just sitting there desperately wanting to have him have this information about all that but i don't yeah, know it's interesting that the story's changed yeah so it's like i feel like they lawyered up and it's like oh you're on the beach okay there's no evidence all right they, there's nothing they can use just say this and it'll go away yeah there's um, a, there's a ton cover of up uh, action going on there's a ton of story issues that there, there are a lot of story changes. Uh, so after you know the searches in the landfill didn't happen, uh, Holloway's family had initially offered $175,000, and donors offered $50,000 for her safe return, so essentially reward. And two months after her disappearance, uh, the reward was increased from 200000 to $1 million, with a $100,000 reward for information leading to the location of her remains. Uh, in August 2005, the reward of, for information leading to her corpse was then increased to 250000 
And the FBI announced that Aruban authorities had provided its agency with documents, suspect interviews, and other evidence. Investigators found a piece of duct tape with strands of blonde hair attached to it. The samples were tested at a Dutch lab. A group from the Aruban Police and Prosecutor's Office then traveled to the FBI Central Laboratory in Virginia to consult with American investigators. The hair samples were tested a second time, and the FBI announced that the hair samples did not belong to Holloway. Of course. Yeah. So the Calpo brothers were rearrested on August 26th, along with a new suspect, 21-year-old Freddy Arambatsis. And so Freddy's lawyer said that his client was suspected of taking photographs of an underage girl and having inappropriate physical contact with the same girl. This incident allegedly occurred before the Holloway disappearance. Uh, Freddie's friends, Vandersloot and the Calpro brothers, were supposedly involved in this incident. Uh, Vandersloot's mother, Anita, stated, It's a desperate attempt to get the boys to talk, but there is nothing to talk about. While no public explanation was then made for the Calpo rearrest, Dom Pig later said that it was an unsuccessful attempt to pressure the brothers into confessing. Whew. There's, like, no leads. They're, like, desperate at this point. Yeah. And that's, like, only a couple months. Like, imagine, like, when we get to, like, two years post-disappearance. Or, like, now. Like, if it's still open. I mean, this is... I think this is one of the... One of the murders that we've covered where there has been, like... It's not necessarily a murder. Well, one of... It's not a body. Well, I mean... No murder. You said that they've they've given out rewards to find her corpse. Yeah. I mean, I guess in that they're already assuming that she's dead. That's what their assumption is, but she literally, like, uh, there's been, like, girls that have disappeared and then showed up, like, 12 oh, yeah. years later. But, um, and, like, everyone thought they were dead. But um, I forgot what I was going to so say. So, for all we know, she could be alive. She'd be what? Yeah, I would, I would not be surprised if one of two things, right? Because they said that she was drinking all the time. Yeah. And yeah. was missing breakfast, so she'd pass out then. So she left the club with these guys. She ends up passing out. She either woke up on a container ship, like into sex slavery someplace. Yeah. Or she just drank so much she died, and they freaked out and they're like, "Oh shit, she's dead. She didn't wake up. What do we do? What do we do?" And I got all these guys freaking out, and you know, take her back to the shark waters or something, and just get rid of it, and then. Try and get cover, their story straight, yeah. and they start freaking out and pointing fingers, and then it's like, but like you said, then there's no body. So, I don't know. It's wild. Yeah. But, I mean, this is probably one of the one of the cases where we've had, like, the least leads, so it's pretty hard to go off of some of this some of this stuff. Yeah, it's one Well, it sounds like they're just arresting, like, any guy it, that's, like, the exactly. right age in Aruba is getting arrested for this yeah. question. They're going through every, every single person. So... Uh, almost four months later, on September 3rd, the four detained suspects, being the Calpro brothers, Vandersloot, and Freddie Irambatsis, uh, were released by a judge despite the attempts of the prosecution to keep them in custody. The suspects were released on the condition that they remain available to the police, and on September 14th, all restrictions on them were then removed by the Combined Appeals Court of the Netherlands, Antilles, and Aruba. In the months following his release, Vandersloot gave several interviews that explained his version of events. The most notable interview was broadcast on Fox News over three nights in March of 2006. During this interview, he changed his story yet again, and to be a little explicit, he indicated that Holloway wanted to have sex with him, but he did not because he didn't have a condom. He stated that Holloway wanted them to stay on the beach, but that he had to go to school in the morning. 
According to him, he was picked up by Satish Kalpo at about 3 a.m. and left Holloway sitting on the beach. In August 2005, uh, Kalpo's attorney stated that his client had gone to sleep and had not returned to drive Vandersloot home. Vandersloot stated that he was somewhat ashamed to have left a young woman alone at the beach, albeit by her own request, and related that he was not truthful at first because he would convince that Holloway would soon turn up. That's Suppo- I mean, it- Supposedly, that's why he was... I mean, kept quiet about it, that, and then you have Cal Poe's attorney saying that like, I he my client never came to pick up Vandersloot, which is could be accurate, but could also be just a lawyer trying to save his client by any means necessary. Yeah, because that's yeah, interesting. There's some shifty lawyers out there. I mean, the fact that they would leave a girl alone on a beach in a foreign country as well. Uh, I'm pretty is, sure, like, I obviously don't know like how the media was perceiving everything at this point, but I'm. I'm I'm con- convinced that uh, Vandersloot was becoming Scott Peterson. If now, mm. Lacey Peterson, the disappearance. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hit her husband. He became like the most hated man in America mm-hmm. due to the media. And also, like, so yeah, I'm guessing that at this point, Vandersloot is like the most hated person based on like what the media is showing to the public and. He's just trying to just save his face at this point and just get it over with. That's I mean, that's my just just like the my pol- assumption. Just like the police, I'm sure the media was going after every single lead that the police were coming up with as well. well nine times out of ten, when you have cases like this, the media um, just like finds one person that they that like the media or like I guess like the public has a a negative opinion on and just slams yeah, that one. The court of public opinion at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about this new story. Like, not to totally generalize every guy, but, okay, here's a drunk guy with a drunk girl. She wants to have sex with him, and he's the one that says he can't because he doesn't have a condom? Yeah. (laughs) I'm not really buying that one. Exactly. That, I I don't want to make a comment on that. (laughs) I mean, he he said he's, I don't want to, I don't want to. I mean, it's so, it is very... Like that's it's that's very unusual that the guy's the one that, that, super concerned about safety in that scenario. That, yeah, that is right, that yeah, is a, a drunk gener- in a generalization of that situation. It's a drunk stereotype. He's not pretty he's much. not a good guy because he left her on the beach, and so it does it doesn't make sense. He's trying to. It just seems like he's trying to save face, like from like I guess yeah. from what I can assume and like how he's mentioned so much. I feel like he became how. Uh, I'm going to name drop again how Richard Jewell was perceived in the media who you don't know who that is either do you Douglas? I don't think so do you by any chance I don't you read too much of this man. I do I read a lot <laughs> and I like to I like to name drop to get a generalization but essentially quick summary Richard Jewell was a security guard who stopped the bombing of the uh, Olympics at Tennial Park in Georgia during the 1996 Athens Olympic Games mm-hmm. uh, but the media because he was described as being a loner uh, the media, with no real evidence, uh, began just slamming his name and claiming that he was the actual bomber and that he was lying about the whole thing. He ended up not being the bomber, and I want to say for like ten or fifteen years, the whole public just like hated him. He had like people like attack his house. He had media just show up to his house every day just to try to get him to like just to bait him into saying something that would make him seem more suspicious. Yeah. So it seems like that Vandersloot, from what like from how his stories are going and everything like that, he's just being slammed by the media. For all we know, 
I'm not one to slam a lot, but he's he's kind of a shitty person. Yeah. He's changed his story up a ton of times. And like you have like other people that were supposedly with him slamming him as well. So it could be he could be like just another media case, but he also could be like suspect number I mean, one. Def- changing your story definitely brings up red flags. Yeah, but at the same time, he could have just been nervous. But he claims that it was just because he thought Holloway would soon turn up. But like, he also claimed that he didn't know her name. So how would he even know that the girl that he was hanging out with was missing? Yeah. So it's just it's a lot of red flags. It is. So, in January of 2006, they're just flying all over the place with dates. Uh, the FBI and Rubin authorities interviewed, or in some cases re-interviewed, several of Holloway's classmates. And on January 17th, the police searched for Holloway's body in sand dunes on the northwest coast of Aruba, as well as the area close by the Marriott. Additional searches took place in March and April, uh, but of course there were no results. Nothing turned up. And shortly before leaving the case... <coughs> Don Pig gave an interview to CBS in which he stated that he believed Hollow was not murdered, but probably died from alcohol and or drug poisoning, and that someone later hid her body. So y'all are that, y'all are doing pretty good on that I mean, theory. That, honestly, that kind of seems like it's on the point from what you think so? I've been hearing. He also, oh, wow. he also stated that Aruba had spent up to this point about $3 million on the investigation, which was almost half of the operational budget. He indicated that there was evidence that pointed to possession, though not necessarily use, of illicit drugs by Holloway, and members of Holloway's family have denied that she used drugs. On April 11th of 2006, Dave Holloway published a book, which I believe Dave Holloway is her biological father, mm-hmm. not her stepfather, uh, co-authored with R. Stephanie Good, called Aruba, the tragic untold story of Natalie Holloway and the corruption in paradise that recounted uh, the search for corruption. Yeah, seems pretty accurate. But it. So here's the other thing that I'm throwing for a loop on, right? Is the family writing books? Like, why do you want to profit off of your daughter's disappearance? Like people, yeah, I've never understood that. People just like when someone disappears, they're like. I'm gonna write a book, and like this is like what happened. It's like when O.J. Simpson was like, I, mean, "I didn't kill Nicole, but if I did, here's how I would have killed her." Yeah. Like, it just—it's never made sense to me why they're like, and why the like. It's so recent too. Yeah, it, like, it was less than the, a year uh, yeah. after she disappeared, and he was like, "I'm gonna write this whole book with two other authors, and I'm just gonna publish it. Let's see how this—if this book like was how." Like, it I mean, did. with the with. Since it's like, what? Yeah, it was on the New York Times bestseller list uh, for four weeks, and he didn't write the book for monetary gain and that any funds not spent on the investigation would go to charity. I mean, I could justify that if he wrote it, like, this year. Or, like, like having it being 14... You lose all hope probably after, like... Obviously after 14 years, but after not even a year, him coming out with a full-ass book. Well, he claims that it was just to help fund the investigation, but at the same time... Well, you can't yeah. take everything seriously. Like you can't believe everything that's said, especially when there's like investigations like this. Yeah. Because the show like tense, and it's just like everything just seems like off-putting. And he could have just done it because he was like trying to cope. Well, or that, or he was trying to out how corrupt the like Arubian sort of police officers and all that were. Trying to get like a reevaluation of the like, whole investigation. Exactly. Yeah. But. 
If it was mainly about his daughter, then I don't. I, it's kind of BS. Yeah. Sure. yeah. Hmm. Well, so on April fifteenth, uh, two thousand six, a new suspect named Jeffrey Van Cromvort. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cromvort. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna stick with that. Uh, was arrested by Reuben authorities on suspicion of criminal offenses related to dealing in narcotics which, according to the prosecutor, might have been related to Holloway's disappearance. And at his first court appearance, his detention was extended by eight days. He was released, however, on April 25th, so only ten days after he was arrested. And in addition, another individual with the initials AB was arrested on the 22nd, but was released the same day. So, little, <laughs> little interesting. And so on May 17th, another suspect, Guido Weaver who uh, was the son of a former Reuben politician, was detained in the Netherlands on suspicion of assisting in the abducting, uh, of the abduction, uh, killing, and battery of Holloway. He was questioned for six days in Utrecht, which I'm guessing is somewhere in the Netherlands, and the prosecutors initially sought his transfer to the island, but he was instead released by agreement between the prosecutor and Weaver's attorney. At Aruba's request, the Netherlands took over the investigation. Following <clears throat> following receipt of extensive case documentation in Rotterdam, a team of Dutch national police started work on the case in September. In April of 2007, a combined Aruban-Dutch team began pursuing the investigation. So, guess who else wrote a book? Is it the mom? Vandersloot. Oh, really? Uh, so a book by Vandersloot and reporter... Z- Zezdanya Vukojevic uh, was called Dezak Natalie Hallway or The Case of Natalie Hallway and was published in Dutch in April 2007. In the book, Vandersloot gives his perspective of the night Holloway disappeared and the media frenzy that followed. He admits to and apologizes for his initial untruths but maintains his innocence. Hmm. On April 27th, a new search involving approximately 20 investigators was launched at the Vandersloot family residence. Dutch authorities searched the yard and surrounding area using shovels and thin metal rods to penetrate the dirt. Uh, prosecu- prosecution spokeswoman Van der Beesen stated the investigation has never stopped and the Dutch authorities are completely reviewing the case for new indications. A statement from the prosecutor's office related, the team has indications that justify a more thorough search. Investigators did not comment on what prompted the new search, except that it was not related to Vandersloot's book. Apparently. And according to Paulus Vandersloot, nothing suspicious was found, and all that was seized were diary entries of him and his wife and his personal commuter, which was subsequently returned. And according to Jossie Menser, a editor of an Aruban newspaper, investigators were following up on, on statements made during early suspect interrogations regarding communications between the Calpo brothers and Vandersloot. He also said investigation could be seen in examining a laptop at the house. On May 12th, the Calpo family residence was then searched. The two brothers were detained for about an hour upon about an hour upon objecting to the entry by police and Dutch investigators, but were released when the authorities left. According to the brothers' attorney, they objected to the search because officials did not show them an order justifying the intrusion. A statement from Van from Vanderbeesen did not mention what, if anything, officials were searching for, but indicated that nothing was removed from the house. A subsequent statement from the Aruban prosecutor's office indicated that the purpose of the visit was to get a better image of the place or circumstances where an offense 
may have been committed and to understand the chain of events leading to the offense. <sighs> so, so much like, just like random like investigations and information that like, there's no way to like get closer to this. Yeah. And we're two books down. <laughs> two, two books down. So, citing... I think actually three, because you say her mom wrote one? Uh, her... I think it was um, the dad and then uh, the initial suspect, right? Yeah, the the dad and Vandersloot wrote a book. Yeah, I, I was I thought I guessed on the mom. I don't think. Oh, the, gotcha. Yeah, I don't think the mom wrote a book. Not not yet in the story, at least. Yeah. And uh, so, citing what was described as newly acquired evidence, the investigators rearrested Vandersloot and the brothers on November twenty first, two thousand seven. So almost three years since he disappeared. On suspicion of involvement in manslaughter and causing serious bodily harm that resulted in Natalie's death. Vandersloot was detained by Dutch authorities in the Netherlands, while the Calpro brothers were detained in Aruba. Vandersloot was returned to Aruba, where he was incarcerated. Soon after, Dave Holloway announced a new search for his daughter that probed the sea beyond the original 330-foot depths in which earlier searches had taken place. That search involved a vessel called the Persistence and was abandoned due to lack of funds at the end of the... At the end of February of 08, when nothing had been found. So on November 30th, a judge ordered the release of the Calpro brothers. Despite attempts by the prosecution to extend their detention, the brothers were released the following day. The prosecution appealed their release, which was denied on December 5th, with the court writing, notwithstanding expensive and lengthy investigations on her disappearance and on people who could be involved, the file against the suspect does not contain direct indications that Natalie passed away due to a violent crime. Vandersloot was then released two days later on the 7th due to a lack of evidence implicating him as well as a lack of evidence that she died as the result of a violent crime. Uh, the prosecution uh, indicated that it would not appeal. So on December 18th, uh, prosecutor Hans Moos officially declared the case officially declared the case closed and that no charges would be filed due to lack of evidence. The prosecution indicated a continuing interest in Vandersloot and the Calpo brothers, though they legally ceased to be suspects, and alleged that one of the three, in a chat room message, had stated that Holloway was dead. This was hotly contested by uh, Deepak's attorney, who stated that the prosecution, in translating from Papiamento to Dutch, had misconstrued a reference to a teacher who had drowned as one to Holloway. That just doesn't sound right. Yeah. And attorney Ronald Wicks also stated, unless uh, Hans Mose finds a body in the bathroom of one of these kids, there's no way in hell they can arrest them anymore. So, we have our first claim of solving the crime. So on January 31st, 2008, Dutch crime reporter Peter R. De Vries claimed that he had solved Holloway's case. He stated that he would tell all on a special television program on Dutch TV on February 3rd. On the 1st, the Dutch media reported that Vandersloot made a confession regarding her, Natalie's disappearance. Later that day, Vandersloot stated that he was telling the individual what he wanted to hear and denied any involvement in her disappearance. Shifty. The same day, the Aruba prosecutors announced reopening of the case. The broadcast, which aired on February 3rd, included excerpts from footage recorded from hidden cameras and microphones in the vehicle of Patrick van der Eem, a Dutch businessman and ex-convict, who gained Vandersloot's confidence. Vandersloot was seen smoking marijuana and stated that he was with Holloway when she began convulsively shaking, then became unresponsive. He states that he attempted to revive her without success. He 
he says that he uh, called a friend who told Vanderslew to go home and who disposed of the body. An individual reputed to be the friend, identified in the broadcast as Dari, has denied Vanderslew's account, indicating that he was then in Rotterdam at school. The, prosec- the Aruban prosecutor's office attempted to obtain an arrest warrant for Vanderslew based on the tapes. However, judge denied the request. The prosecutor appealed the denial, but the appeal failed on February 14th. Uh, the appeals court held that the statements on the tape were inconsistent with evidence in the case and were insufficient to hold Vandersloot. On February 8th, Vandersloot met with Aruban investigators in the Netherlands and denied that what he said on the tape was true, stating that he was under the influence of marijuana at the time. I'm pretty sure weed doesn't make you say a whole different story than what you've been saying like for years. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. He indicated at this that he still maintains that he left Holloway behind on the beach, which she could have been dead at that point. So he well, could I mean, be stretching the truth or just working around it. I mean, that was the first time that he said that she started convulsing, passed out, and then he tried to revive her. Well, right? yeah, but apparent, according to him, he was under the influence of some really powerful weed. Yeah. So, in March of 08, news reports indicated that Vander Eem was secretly taped after giving an interview for a Rubin television. Uh, under the impression that the cameras had been turned off, disclosed that he had been a friend of Vandersloot for years, contradicting his statement that he had never met him until 2007, that he expected to become a millionaire through his involvement in the Holloway case, and that he knew the person who supposedly disposed of her body, and that Vandersloot had asked him for 2,000 euros to buy the man's silence. According to Dutch News Service A&P, uh, Van der Eem, who had already signed a book deal. What the hell? <laughs> book deals left and right, and this dude wasn't even, like, a suspect or anything. I know. Uh, he had signed a book deal and was furious after learning of the taping and threatened the interviewer who sought legal advice. His book, Overboard, was released on June 25th. He was arrested on December 13th for allegedly hitting his girlfriend with a crowbar and engaging in risky behavior with the police. So the broadcast uh, by the Dutch reporter who claimed to have solved it was discussed in a seminar by Dutch legal psychologist William Albert Wagner, who indicated that the statements did not constitute a confession. He criticized uh, DeVries, the reporter, for broadcasting the material, stating that the broadcast made it harder to obtain a conviction. And had DeVries turned over the material to the authorities without broadcasting it, they would have had they would have held all the Trumps in questioning Vandersloot. Wagner uh, opined. What opined? Wagner said that not only was the case not solved, it was not even clear that a crime had been committed. Professor Krij Brands in the same seminar also criticized his methods. Uh, oh. So, on November 24th, Fox News and an interviewed, aired an interview with Vandersloot in which he alleged that he sold Holloway into sex slavery, receiving money both when Holloway was taken and later on to keep quiet. Uh, Vandersloot also alleged that his father paid off two police officers who had learned that Holloway was taken to Venezuela. He later retracted the statements made in the interview. Fox News also aired part of an audio recording provided by Vandersloot, which he alleged is a phone conversation between him and the father, his father, in which the father displays knowledge of a son's purported involvement in human trafficking. And according to uh, Hans Moss, uh, the Aruban prosecutor, the Dutch newspaper De Telegraph reported that the father's voice is almost certainly that of 
Jorhan Vandersloot himself tying, trying to speak in a lower tone. And Paulus, his dad, died of a heart attack on February 10th of 2010. So on March 29th, 2009, Dave Holloway transported a search dog to Aruba to search a small reservoir in the northern part of the island. The reservoir was previously identified by a supposed witness as a possible location of Natalie's remains. The authorities indicated they had no new information on the case, but that her dad had been given permission to conduct the search. Uh, on February 23, 2010, it was reported that Vandersloot had stated in an interview that he had disposed of Holloway's body in a marsh on Aruba. New Chief Prosecutor Peter Blanken indicated that authorities had investigated the latest story and had dismissed it. Blanken stated that the locations, names, and times he gave just didn't make sense. In March of that same year, underwater searches were conducted, and, and Aruban authorities uh, searched the waters after an American couple reported that they were snorkeling when they photographed what they thought might be human skeletal remains, possibly those of Holloway. Uh, authorities sent divers to investigate, but no remains were ever recovered. Mm-hmm. So, on March 29th of 2010, Vandersloot contacted John Q. Kelly, Beth Tweedy's legal representative, with an offer to reveal the location of Holloway's body and the circumstances surrounding her death if he were given advance of if he were given an advance of $25,000 against a total of $250,000. After Kelly notified the FBI, they arranged to proceed with the transaction. On May 10th, Vandersloot had a had a $15,000 wire transfer to his account in the Netherlands following the receipt of $10,000 in cash that was videotaped by undercover investigators in Aruba. Authorities stated that the information that he provided in return was false because the house in which he said Holloway's body was located had not yet been built at the time of her disappearance. On June 3rd, Vandersloot was charged in the U.S. District Court of Northern Alabama with extortion and wire fraud. U.S. Attorney Joyce White Vance obtained an arrest warrant and transmitted it to Interpol. And on June 30th, he was indicted on the charges. <clears throat> At the request of the Justice Department, authorities conducted a June 4th raid and confiscated items from two homes in the Netherlands. One of the homes belonging to reporter Jap Amez, who had previously interviewed Vandersloot and claimed knowledge of his criminal activities. Aruban investigators used information gathered from the extortion case to launch a new search at the beach, but no new evidence was found. Dave Holloway returned to Aruba on June 14th to pursue possible new clues. So, curveball. On May 30th, 2010, five years to the day after Holloway's disappearance, Stephanie Flores Ramirez, a 21-year-old business student, was reported missing in Lima, Peru. She was found dead three years later in a hotel room registered to Vandersloot. Really? On June 3rd, he was arrested in Chile on a murder charge and extradited to Peru. On the 7th, Peruvian authorities said that he had confessed to killing Flores after he lost his temper because she accused she accessed his laptop without permission and found information linking him to Holloway. Hmm. Police Chief Caesar Guardia related that Vandersloot told Peruvian police that he knew where Holloway's body was and offered to help Aruban authorities find it. However, Guardia stated that the interrogation was limited to their case in Peru and that questions about Holloway's disappearance were avoided. On the 11th, he was charged in Lima Superior Court with first-degree murder and robbery. On June 15th, Aruban and Peruvian authorities announced an agreement to cooperate and allow investigators from Aruba to interview Vandersloot at the Miguel Castro Castro prison. 
In a September 2010 interview from the prison, Vandersloot reportedly admitted to the extortion plot, stating, I wanted to get back at Natalie's family. Her parents have been making my life tough for five years. Fucking douche. Mm-hmm. On, July, on January 11, 2012, he pleaded guilty to murdering Flores and was sentenced to 28 years in prison. So he still was not, like, actually accused of Holloway's death. Not... Or her disappearance. I guess not. But not only did he murder someone five years to the day after Natalie was disappeared, but he admitted that she got on his laptop and found information pertaining him to Natalie and that he, like, he did admit to extorting them because apparently they had made his life tough when he more than likely killed her. But... In June 2011, uh, Dave Holloway filed a petition with the Alabama courts to have his daughter legally declared dead. The papers were served on his ex-wife, Beth Twitty, who announced her intention to oppose. A hearing was held on September 23rd of that year, at which time probate judge Alan King ruled that Dave Holloway had... (coughs) that Dave Holloway had met the requirements for a legal presumption of death. On January 12th, uh, 2012, a second hearing was held after which Judge King signed the order declaring Natalie to be dead. But on June 12th, 2010, tourists found a jawbone on an Aruban beach near the Phoenix Hotel in Bubbly Swamp. Or Boobly. Preliminary examination by a forensic expert determined that the bone was from a young woman. Part of the bone was sent to the the Hague, which is uh, a city in the Netherlands for testing by the Netherlands Forensic Institute. On November 23rd, Aruba Solicitor General Taco Stein, that is a, that is a champion name right there. Uh, he and... I shouldn't have made that remark. Yeah. We're in the middle of this. this we're so unprofessional. We're embarrassing ourselves in front of mine. Shut up. So... Uh, he announced that based on dental records, the jawbone was not of Holloway. It was not even possible to determine whether it had come from a man or woman. So in 2016, Dave Holloway hired private investigator T.J. Ward to once more go through all evidence and information related to the disappearance of his daughter. This led to an informant, Gabriel, who claimed to have been a roommate of one of Vandersloot's closest friends, American John Ludwig, in 2005. Gabriel claimed that Ludwig was told what became of Natalie. In an interview with the Oxygen Television Channel, Gabriel gave a detailed description of what happened on the night of Natalie's disappearance. Oxygen created a new documentary series on Natalie's disappearance that aired on August 19, 2017. Using Gabriel's information, uh, the investigator had found what appeared to be human bones. In October 3, 2017, DNA concluded that one piece of bone was human but did not belong to Natalie. Uh, in the documentary, Ludwig claimed to have helped Vandersloot dig up, smash, and cremate Holloway's bones in 2010. In February 2018, Elizabeth Holloway sued the producers, alleging that this and other claims are fictional and harmfully lurid, and that she was misled into providing a DNA sample for comparison without being made aware of plans for a show. In March 2018, uh, Vandersloot's Van friend was stabbed to death by a woman who he tried to kidnap which just adds this makes this whole thing like it seems like it's a sex trafficking ring something like that 
Dr. Phil's in this now. Sweet. So on September 15, 2005, the Dr. Phil show parts show showed parts of a hidden camera interview with Deepak Kalpo in which he seemingly affirmed a suggestion that Holloway had sex with all three men. The taping had been instigated by Jamie Skeeters, a private investigator. When the tape was broadcast, news reports indicated an expectation of re-arrest, which Dompig termed a strong possibility if the tapes were legitimate. Aruban police subsequently provided a fuller version of the relevant part of the tape in which Kalpo's response differed from the Dr. Phil version, apparently due to editing that may have altered the meaning of what was said. So, uh, the Amigo newspaper uh, reported on interviews with Julia Renfro and Don Pig in which they said that Aruban authorities had been systematically obstructed in their investigation by U.S. officials. They also said that within a day of Holloway being reported missing, a medjet... Uh, which is an air medical service, unauthorized by Aruban authorities, had arrived on Aruba and had remained for several days for the purpose of covertly taking Holloway off the island without notifying local authorities. Renfro, an American-born editor of an English-language daily Aruba Today, who was at the time of Holloway's disappearance, who at the time of Holloway's disappearance had become close friends with, the, with Twitty, also said she and Twitty received a phone call from an unknown woman on June 2nd, 2005, asking for money in return for information about Holloway's location and asserting that Holloway was unwilling to return to her mother. According to Renfro, she and another American went to a drug house where Holloway supposedly was, bringing money, but found that her stepfather had already been to the area, spreading a lot of uproar and panic in the direct vicinity, and nothing could be accomplished. The Tweedies disputed this claim, with Beth Tweedy describing Renfro as a witch. And to this day... Natalie Holloway is legally declared dead with no body to be found and no arrests made. That is the case of Natalie Holloway. That's a that was that, that was fourteen or not fourteen, excuse me, um almost fifteen years now and she there's no trace of her. Yeah. So I guess we'll start with the honorary guest. Uh what is who in your very professional and very trustworthy opinion do you believe uh, is responsible for her disappearance or potentially what happened to her? Yeah, I think I still feel like my gut is pretty solid on this one when it came back to the sharks. You know, I was talking about the beach and did she or did she not get left there all alone, you know, or trip and fall and hit her head or, you know, something and then she was, you know, shark bait. I think it was that or. I don't know if she would have necessarily been sold into human trafficking, uh, but maybe that's a thing. Or she just, you know, she drank herself silly and just didn't wake up. You know, those are my top three. Yeah. Um, and then you get more twisted with that, you know, the guy at the hotel being involved and whatever. But there's just a lot of shady characters in the story. It's they like are. you can write like a story that had more shitty characters in this if you tried than yeah. what this has naturally it's it's bizarre I'd, like there's just the issue I feel like with the whole investigation is that not only are there so many like different viewpoints that like there's like from what it's like all the details it seems like that like the family kind of hindered the investigation and forced like certain outcomes and then you have this Vandersloot guy saying what he his first story was he dropped her off at a hotel then he didn't then he took her to the beach and left her then he took her to the beach and 
she wanted to have sex, then he left her. And then she started convulsing and then hit the body. Yeah, he tried And then to... he just did a whole 180 and was like, yeah, I sold her into sexual slavery. But then he was like, that didn't happen. And then five years and later... they killed after, somebody else. Yeah, and then literally like on the five-year anniversary, he kills someone because he admitted... Or his, his confession was that I lost my temper because she found information that relating me to yeah. Natalie Holloway. And so... That just and then like there's claims that like he dumped her body in the ocean. There's just like it makes you wonder if he did it. How many others has he killed and gotten away with? Yeah, that that brings up a good point because like I mean it. I don't know if he was. I guess he was successful in trying to cover his tracks in this one. You got to think of how many other times this has happened to him, and he's probably had practice by the by this point. Well, like. I, I, I just think it was him. Like that's the only one that makes sense. And I was like, "There's enough evidence there." To- I mean, there, there are a lot of culprits, and I mean, alcohol is one. Like, her stumbling into the water and being fed to the sharks and all that, that. could have like, happened. But the wild thing about this whole thing is, there's literally like no evidence. Exactly. There's no like not even. There's really nothing, nothing. to go it's off. Just all of her stuff, all of her stuff left in her room. She was out at the club, and then a bunch of stories. But there's no like blood trail. There's no oh, yeah, signs of a struggle. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. no discarded clothing. It's just like she evaporated. I mean, I, I thought it was weird how all of her stuff was like it was all packed up, like ready to go, like well, as I if she, they, like as if she was leaving. Well, they, right then. it also could have been like they like had to wake up early in the morning, so or she that. went and packed and then went out for the night. But I mean, if I had to leave in the morning, I would not have gone out, honestly. Like I don't, it was excessive. It, yeah, but like, but I mean, the fact that she would drink all day, every day she was there, like that sends up a flare for me. Is like she probably did die of alcohol poisoning. Probably, most likely. And she's just like, it's like Miles said. There's just no evidence. I mean, I, I would, I would. It's just testimonies and videotapes yeah. and I mean, from a documentary my, and Doctor Phil and <laughs> like, there's for, no way to know what happened. And you can't really. You listen to one story and you're like, oh, okay, maybe that. But then, way out of left field, something else happens. Well, I'm sure like public opinion is swayed. Is, that, yeah, is pretty set on. Yon, or Yor Yoron, just doing it all. But then, like the Calpo brothers, I don't. That just never made sense to me either because they 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 had some confessions, but then like they weren't ever suspects again. And then when Vandersloot talked about it in the future, he never mentioned them, which could have just been him trying to throw people off, which I guess could make sense. And then he could have probably there could have been more that he had like more women out there that he had. Uh, Harmed. Yeah, and I mean the parents like would refuse that she did any drugs and all that. That like she is not, she wouldn't have done that kind of thing. Like been like really stupid drunk and wanted to do something stupid. And like I guess they sort of forgot about all those other aspects where she pretty much, I don't want to say like killed herself, but I mean like they I guess they didn't want to believe that. They well, yeah, wa- no, they wanted it to be one of the no parent wants to. Well, yeah. I mean, that's understandable. But, yeah, uh, as of right now, I'm pretty sure the case is closed. 
there hasn't really been any new information. Yeah, they have nothing the to go since like 2011. They have nothing to go off of. Uh, her, I'm pretty sure she is legally declared dead, um, unless it got overturned. Unless it got like overturned like after like all that happened, but. Uh, let me try. Yeah, now I'm thinking through it with how involved the government was. Like the U.S. government got so involved in this. If she had been sold into the sex trade, chances are our intelligence services would have picked up chatter about that. Yeah. And it would have been found out. If they were putting that many resources into it, like we, we would have known, I think, as I'm processing this. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I feel like the dude, like, she either died and he covered it up because he didn't want to get blamed because he was shady, and if they started looking around, they would have found that he had actually killed people, and then he got caught in Peru, or, you know, he just did it. Because it's just, yeah, I don't know, there's nothing, or it's some crazy shit we didn't think of, like, she faked her death, or she's now in the CIA, or, you know aliens take your pick <laughs> i mean I, I i honestly think that anything's on the table at this point like i can't really pinpoint a single thing that could have happened honestly no. this was a hard one this, this was definitely this was a hard a one. very very intense and doozy of one with way too much information to comprehend to even like get a firm grasp like everything's such everything's up in the air yeah we all have our own opinions i think vandersloo did it Miles says sharks. I think I think me and Miles are on sort of on the same page. Sharks. Yeah. Either that or she drank herself to I death. I think I think sharks were involved in some respect. Even yeah. if Vandersloot did it, the just fact to, that there was no body found, no evidence. Like, yeah, just to cover it. I mean, she yeah. did want to go see sharks. That, so. is, that is true. But, well, well, that was a it was quite <laughs> a first episode back. Yeah. I have no idea how long it's going to be, but I feel like it's going to be a long one. Well, well uh, <laughs> thank you, Miles, for joining us. We hope it was yeah, uh, thanks, it was worthwhile. Thanks for having me. Not to uh, yeah, now and do Now I'm going to like go into my own deep dive on this because <laughs> I'm just curious. Oh, we've got we've got tons more in, in our uh, back file yeah. waiting to be uh, uncovered. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I guess thank you for joining. Where can people find you and your podcast on social media and uh, podcast sites? Sure, yeah, so you can search Relish the Journey anywhere you listen to podcasts. It's on all the apps. My website is rtjmedia.com, and on all the socials, it's at rtjpodcast. All right. All right. Well, I, w- I will say I did I was, uh, I was did uh, try and find if you had a Wikipedia page earlier. <laughs> but no, if I, I don't think I have one yet. Yeah, unfortunately, you know, you don't have one. But you got a website, which is better than us. We have a domain for a website. I'm pretty sure. But we, we don't have a domain. It's like I got a free one through some website because oh, I, I just wanted to have fun and create a web page. It was a lot of fun. Oh my gosh! But we'll, uh, we'll have to go through GoDaddy on that. <laughs> well, thank you for joining you us. Uh, it's, thank you for uh, helping us solve this investigation. I think we're a solve is yeah that did I not. I think we're one for three now. <laughs> Because yeah. we're pretty confident on who did Black Dahlia, but then with yeah. John Bonet and this one, we're just yeah, no. we don't have a. I mean, it, we're we not, don't have a unanimous decision. We got to get at least fifty percent. I mean, we are. We yeah, are, I just feel like whenever you don't know, it should just go into the aliens column. Yeah, that chalk it up to aliens. I mean, they I'm win. kind of 
worried that aliens were not even mentioned in this case. Aliens are always a possibility. Yeah. And so are anything anything in the unknown can yeah. happen. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you for joining us. We hope uh, hopefully you'll be back on another episode yeah, in the near sure. future. Trying to yeah, get, get one more. We'll, we'll try to grasp. I think I think we should have him do a conspiracy theory, one that really grasps him, because we we have not done nine eleven yet, so that's on the table. If you wanted to get on that, oh. let's do it. <laughs> Giving him a lot. Uh, That'd be yeah, a lot. Yeah, could get you canceled, but we could try. Yeah, it, it'd be a dangerous one. <laughs> All right. Well, where can they find us on Instagram? Uh, you can find us on Instagram at nightsfrooms.podcast, and you can find our podcast pretty much. Anywhere that streams podcasts, I guess. I don't. I don't know. We're on <laughs> I didn't a lot ask of stuff. For that. I know. I was just letting them know. It, it was a pleasure, Miles. Yeah, likewise.